All right. Welcome to the Men Up podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. My name is Christian Shabu. I'm Drew Chin. Will Van Dyke. Lamar Womble. And together we are the four guys here for the level up through conversations that dig deep into current events, sports, pop culture, and that go beyond the moment to create momentum. So thank you all so much for joining us here for episode two. And like we like to do at the beginning of every single episode here. Uh, we like to start with a pep talk, right? So it is a way for us to get motivated, inspired at the top of the episode here. And so, Will, it is off to you this week for our pep talk. What you got for us? Yeah, I think uh, based on what we're going to talk about today, I think uh, a mantra that I carry with my, uh, it, you know, for myself into uh, discussions like this uh, is trying to truly and completely activate an open mind, uh, carry into a conversation, a, uh, a space, hold it for the conversation to uh, impact you uh, without your preconceived notions and to carry with uh, you, know, you a, a moment that you can take away and learn from and, uh, and give yourself space to, uh, to take in all the knowledge that three fine gentlemen like we have today can provide and we are fine you you said you said three fine gentlemen are you not including yourself in the fine gentleman category will uh well i in, in maybe um, <laughs> i was uh i was positioning myself as the listener uh mm. i think in this in this particular scenario but um but yeah you know we we uh we can include it I love that you positioned yourself as the listener in that context, Will, because we're following up from episode one where we were talking about what does it look like to lead with listening. And so what we like to do here at the Men Up podcast is one, take a step back and look at how can we level up uh, specifically here as men, uh, but more broadly, just as people, how can we be leveling up and meeting the moment and building momentum beyond, right? And so if episode one was talking about uh, leading with listening, episode two here, we want to actually find some application for that to meet the moment that we are in right now, right? So what we like to do here at the Men Up podcast is we've got a main topic, a focus, a provocation, a question each and every week that we are digging into. Uh, and this week, following up with the leading with listening is, will we lead with listening in this moment, which is a moment where we are facing multiple crises, uh, and that ultimately it is going to require us to lead with listening if we are going to move beyond these moments and these crises. Uh, so I think it's important for us to recognize that uh, it is not new for us uh, in our communities, in our country here to face crisis, uh, but certainly uh, this moment is a particularly interesting and historic one where we are facing uh, multiple crises that have probably been brewing for, for many years, many decades all at once. Uh, obviously, we are in an election season, which is presenting a lot of crises. We are in the midst of a pandemic um, that is really hitting us hard here uh, in the United States, but broadly and globally is still affecting many millions of people every day. Uh, and then finally, in our country here, we are reckoning with uh, racial justice and social justice, which has certainly been brewing and has been consistent for a long time, but has really amplified in the last several months. Uh, so really powerful moment and necessary moment for us to be leading with listening. And I want to start off just by offering up like one way that we could be leading with listening. In the midst of this pandemic that we are dealing with the coronavirus that we know is an airborne virus, here's a way to lead with listening. Wear your damn mask, period, full stop. It's ridiculous 
how many people still after months and months, uh, I walk around here in New Haven, Connecticut, a place that has dealt really well uh, with this pandemic. And yet there are still plenty of people, honestly, plenty of people that look exactly like me as a white man that find it not necessary to wear uh, their mask. Uh, and I think that that's just insane. And, and we are just not, that is a place where we could be leading with listening. The way we could be listening is that, frankly, we have scientists, we have experts that are telling us that that is one of the most simple and practical things we can do that has a massive impact on our own health, but the health of our community and our country. Why is it so hard for us to listen to science around wearing a mask, right? But broadly, why is it so hard for us to listen uh, and lead with that? I think it's a matter of choice. I think some folks are choosing what not to listen to intentionally you know i think science some folks say you know it's there's skepticism right like show me and i don't believe it like prove it so they choose to listen to their inner self their inner gut their inner judgment and you know my retraction my debate against that is like just look at the numbers you know and i think the bigger thing that i try to tie into when i want to listen is so what are the values i'm calling upon and like if i have a value of inclusion and a value of safety like the numbers are showing it and like, I got to wear my damn mask. So I'm choosing to quiet my voice that says like, no, I, don't, I just want to do what I want to do. I want to do me and amplify the voice of, oh, protect others and protect yourself. Yeah, that's real. What is it like to quiet that voice, right? Like that, that's an interesting thing that you brought up, Drew, there, right? Which is like, perhaps that's driven a little bit by our own ego, our own selfishness, right? Like, no, I don't want to wear a mask, right? It's uncomfortable, right? It doesn't, you know, it, it's not fashionable. You can come up with a dozen different reasons of why you might not want to, right? And then to quiet that voice, like, what is it, what is it like to quiet that voice? How do, we, how do we do that for ourselves? How do we check ourselves? Like, what, what is that process for us? I want to do things like this. I do things like this intentionally so I can be amongst others, hear other opinions, and literally let them speak first. I don't necessarily have, a, have formulated what that quiet voice looks like. Usually, I think what it does is it is an action, right? It's that moment where you are leading by example. Rather than with your words, you're actually leading by example. You're, you're not using just your voice to try and you know, dominate a situation, but it, it is putting yourself in an uncomfortable uncom moment, maybe, or it's, it's putting yourself in front of others and wearing your mask when, you know, there's, you know, maybe more people not wearing their masks. No, you know, it's, it's, that's the way in which I'm sort of taking that, um, that prompt a little bit is that when, when you're quieting your voice, you're leaning more in towards the action. Lamar, what do you think when it, whether we're talking about, you know, why or why not to do the things necessary in a pandemic to protect ourselves and others, or we're talking about uh, politics and, and the conversations that we get into, you know, how do we quiet our own opinion, our own ego, our own desire to be right and, and invite in more of c compassion and empathy? It's weird, particularly inside of the politics conversation right now, I feel... Um, I feel a little torn because you hear, you hear like two different messages. You kind of hear Joe saying, um, you know, let's come together, let's unite, let's wearing masks is not political, it's safety, you know? Um, and then you have kind of Trump saying the opposite, uh, which is like, oh, it's fine. Like, don't let it dominate your life. Don't let it, 
uh, scare you into not living. Um, you know, it'll, it'll disappear, those types of things. And Joe is speaking to America and Donald Trump is speaking to Americans. Does that make sense? Like, and so I, it, to me, it's like the, the, the mass conversation, but also the political conversation is just, it's falling on uh, deaf ears in some places. So like people just aren't willing to listen because um, they don't, they take their personal liberties and freedoms more important than they do like the collective whole of, you know, the, the society. Um, and, and I honestly think that's kind of where it lives is just that Drew said, you have choice. Yes, you have choice. As I check my values and you check your values, Drew, you're like, oh, okay, I care about the, the overall. But as other people check their values, you know, it, it may not fall that way. And so it may not fall the same way we do. Um, and I think, I think you can look at the numbers and be like, okay, not enough people have been impacted by this for me to care. And, and, and even though that sounds like horrible and like, how do you even possibly feel that way? The reality is, is that there's people that feel that way. And so how do we, as empathetic listeners and people that understand, how do you even accept that? And, and then try to go have a, a conversation with somebody about why they feel that way and not judge them. On issues that we disagree with, right? And Lamar, you and I talk about this a lot, um, particularly around politics. Uh, and I think a lot of it is usually because uh, we, we see how people are engaging on social media platforms, particularly Facebook, right? And, and the disagreements that can come up pretty easily on those platforms, right? Like, do we have to listen to people that we disagree with or, or that are coming from just like such a different value set and such a different perspective than our own. Like what, what, what value is there in leading with listening, even in those circumstances where you feel like you're so far away from where that other person is? Listen, and that, that's the thing. I think ultimately what it comes down to is the, my comment that I use now when somebody says something and I don't wanna like get into an argument about it, I'll say, that's fair. Even with you guys, like sometimes like we'll be in a basketball conversation, y'all say something, I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Like, all right. Because at some point, like you, you're not going to change people's minds. You do want to give them a piece of how you feel and, and, and what, what your perspective is. But at some point, it's just got to be like, all right, it's a wash here. Like, there, you know, and I think that's where people have to get to where you have to really, un you know, foundationally believe that and be okay with just people having a different opinion than yours. Particularly with this, because I, I, I've had some pretty long conversations with myself about how to engage on social media and stuff like that. And, and how that sort of either benefits me or is detri detrimental to my health and wellness. Uh, I'll be the first to admit my sort of silent approach to social media is mostly on Twitter where I'm just liking and retweeting things that I myself have, you know, found engaging or insightful towards, you know, either the, whether it's the pandemic or politics or social justice. Um, uh, and, you know, things that I hope that maybe somebody else who may be doom scrolling will also like, but I don't necessarily invite people to comment on my activity on Twitter. 
On Facebook, I take slightly different approach in that I try to make, if I feel like I need to, I try to make one comment that encapsulates the point that I'm trying to make, and then I leave it. And I, and I leave it, and I let my comment live rent-free in their brains as long as it needs to. Just like Hillary Clinton is living rent-free in Trump's brains over her damn emails. <laughs> I, but but in all honesty, I try to make my point as clear and concise as possible. I try to engage on the topics that I think are most relevant, and then I leave it. And I say, that's on you now, however you handle. I said my piece. I'm, that's on you. And and then uh, and then I and then I try to walk away from it. Well, I think that that's the first time anybody in the history of the world has put the phrase rent free and Trump together in the same sentence. Um, so <laughs> so that, that's pretty that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. Um, seriously, though, you know, I think that there's an interesting distinction here between the ideas of listening um, because you want to create a dialogue and listening uh, for the need to debate. Right. And and, and I, I was thinking about this uh, the other day as I, I spent 10 minutes at one point, like there's a there's a person who I don't necessarily know all that well anymore. We went to college together uh, and, and they just put ridiculous things on Facebook, not uncommon. And I spent 10 minutes like arguing with myself about like, should I engage with this? Right. I know what I'm going to say. Right. Should I engage with it? Because ultimately, like, what's my goal here? Right. Is my goal to score points, which if, if I want to debate then yeah, it is, right? Like if I want to be in debate, debates are literally set up. You might be listening, right? But you're, you're setting yourself up ultimately to score more points, right? To make the better argument. Whereas if you want to be in dialogue, like that's a little bit different. I think it's the shift that is needed. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we move presidential debates to dialogue, but I think for all of us else, like what are the kind of dialogues you're engaging versus what are the debates you're engaging in? And I think what's behind that is how do you set up your space? I really liked what Will said with his word invitation. You know, like we, the four of us, get on here setting up rules of we know who's talking when, we have ideas, we, we say like bring your thoughts ahead of time, you know, be respectful of the space, ask follow-up questions. Like that stuff doesn't happen in the, in the common world. And I think it's even harder now with COVID you know, we take for granted that we have to be even more intentional to get on a call to use video, blah, 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 because we can't just go to someone's house. Or we can't just huddle in the office environment or the classroom. So all this to say, if you're going to go from debate to dialogue, first off, what's the setup? What's the rules? And get agreement there, you know, and the pace and the flow of dialogue just sounds so different than debate. You know, look, we have so much technology available and we're letting technology dictate the rules of how we converse. But I don't think we're using it that well. And one thing I'll just really quickly put out to the listeners, look, we're recording this meeting. This is something you can do and there's nothing more important you can do than like watch yourself and observe your behaviors when you're in a space like this. How often am I talking? Where am I looking? Who's using the most time talking? Yada, 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 right? And Will said it last week of, hey, what are the icons and like the nonverbal that can observe that technology already cues up and that we don't do in person? You, we talk about listening. I, you know, I think about in decision-making. So as 
maybe relates to coronavirus or you know the decisions that the government has to make inside of this pandemic when you're listening to the people like how do you how do you listen when you have a gazillion opinions and so sometimes like going back to what we were saying about like do i have to listen to people that i don't agree with or how do you how do you take into how do you at least take into account what they're saying because sometimes what you believe to be right may be the complete opposite of the majority and i think a lot of times people define leadership as putting yourself out there to take a chance to maybe go against what everyone else believes in order to make a decision that might not be popular but that you believe in and so how do you come to terms with that you know what i mean i think in some of these scenarios though too you you have to so, so there is an old and maybe it's not that old, I guess, but I, I've heard it a number of times recently where the good joke telling starts with good facts and agreed on facts. And if you, if you don't have agreed upon facts, then the setup or the, then the punchline will not land because the setup is all built on the fact that you are both agreeing to the same facts and then the punchline doesn't land because one person or multiple people in the room don't agree on that in, like that set up premise and i think what's happening a lot of times now too is that and this gets into way you know deeper misinformation type of stuff but it goes to dialogue and common dialogue is that if you're starting from a point of view where the the people in the group don't agree on the sort of or haven't found a common agreement on the even the theme of the talk then it's gonna go south real quickly or it's just gonna go nowhere what I liken this a little bit to is, is just sort of the, even the notion that currently the government doesn't believe that we should be educating people on uh, equity issues, white privilege, uh, any of these social justice you know, initiatives where we truly need to reconcile ourselves with our, our past. And we, and we truly need to do that. And if we can't even agree on the fact that there is a a need for that level of education, then every conversation that happens after that becomes almost impossible. You know, part of it for me, Lamar, is like connecting back to something you said a little while ago, which is about listening for other people's lived experience, right? And the idea there that, like, that's actually a way that all of us can lead, right? Is that one, we need to be in dialogue with one another, right? And I think that like, that's where um, so much of the distance has grown between all of us, right? There's been, there's been less dialogue with one another. There's been more, oh, I'm on this team or that team, right? And it goes beyond politics, right? But it, it's either like everything's, you know, no pun intended or no like metaphor intended here, but like it's either a black or white issue, right? You're either on this side or you're on that side and there's no dialogue, right? And there's no listening to other people's experience. And to Will's point of like, 
the the common truth, right, or or some sort of commonality that we can come to. I think that that only happens over time and in conversation where we are listening to other people's lived experience because it can only happen when I listen to Will's experience and I'm not judging him for his experience, but rather I'm saying, oh, what has his experience been like? And then I can start to make connections, right? Or then I listen to your experience, Lamar, and I listen to Drew's experience. And, and now suddenly after listening enough, like we can all find something, at least I, I believe, right? I have hope for like the more we're in dialogue with one another and listening first um, to each other's lived experience, the more we can find some commonality. But that's work that we all have to do. And frankly, it goes beyond our leaders, right? The people that we identify as leaders, presidents, uh, politicians, celebrities, right? Like that, that's work that all of us need to do. I think that the politics have just become polarized because I do think day to day people are pretty reasonable. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I had a conference, I went to a party two weekends ago and I had a 30 minute conversation with the Trump supporter. And I think I messaged you guys some of the things that, that she was saying. And it was just like, okay, like there's no, this conversation is not going to change, but like it was friendly. You know what I mean? And so like, I know like, a lot of the Trump supporters I know like aren't horrible people. Do I have to listen to this person because they support somebody that I believe is racist? You know what I mean? Like, do I have to sit, do I have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're a good person because they fundamentally believe in this guy and love like this guy that I actually believe and have seen to be proven true is racist. And, and so, you know, how, do I have to sit and you and clearly you don't like because there's obviously a lot of people that are like, oh, I'm not I'm not fucking with anybody who who believes in Trump. Like and so we have we that is a part of our reality. So if it's accessible, then we can do it. You you it takes I think it's taking more restraint to like stay in the in the in the mix. It's harder to stay in and like actually be somebody who wants to discover the gray area than it is to to like just pick a side. And I think to be honest, like we're probably getting judged for being in the middle, even though we're like, I'd say we're all fairly progressive, like anti-Trump, but like we still want to facilitate the learning and the, the conversations and the listening. And you know, that, that might be a tough place for us to be in right now. So I think it's good, good for a podcast, but like in, in the real world, like, I don't know. I, I hate to, I hate the, the term both sidesism, but there's one area where I feel like we, we get lost the dialogue gets lost in the both sides have tendencies to cry wolf on each other. And, and particularly when it's like name calling and it's, and it's all this other kind of stuff where we're already starting off again from the point of, of the, in the dialogue where we have to like reconcile the fact that we've called each other names in some way or another. And then you end up, immediately retracting into like, well, I got to defend that position at least that I called that person something, but like we have to sort of shrink our, our, our gap to a certain extent because now we've called each other names and we can't be empathetic to that conversation. So where do we go next? A lot of what I'm thinking right now, as I hear everyone talking, it's, it's like, what are we all going to do regardless of the election result? Because the moment will not pass the moment will either amplify or the moment will sustain. And, and maybe there's a different term for that. And I guess the question I want to ask you all do is like, so who else do we need to listen to if we're not just going to listen to the top and, you know, whoever is that leader? And 
I'd love to hear everyone answer that, but I'll also offer this. I heard once that like leaders go first, meaning they're the courageous ones to be bold. And that also means particularly like when it's uncomfortable. So I'm putting that challenge out to all the listeners and especially to men that if you think you have the ego of like, I'm a leader, well then go first and figure out who else do you need to be listening to? For me, I think it's the experts, right? And it's the experts on any given uh, topic or crises that we have, right? So, so we started this episode talking about the pandemic, right? And the virus. And, and so I think it's listening to experts that are in the, in the science and epidemiology like fields, right? It's like listening to them when we're talking about social justice or very specifically when we're talking about racial justice. I know for me, it's been like, I'm going to listen to the people that have been the most marginalized uh, in racial injustice, right? So honestly, I'm going to listen to some of the black activist women out there, right? Because they have been some of the most marginalized. I'm just going to listen to them. Right. I, I think that that's at least for me, it's like listen to the experts, but but expertise varies on whatever given challenge or field we're talking about. There's been such a uh, rejection of academia that like these people pour their time, their efforts, money, resources into gaining the knowledge and the expertise in their given fields. And, and it's everything from epidemiology to racial justice and inequities across, you know, history. And, and so like, why wouldn't we say to, you know, these people, we believe you, or we, we trust that you've looked at the works and the study and the history, like help us. Like a lot of people, the, the, it's not just the academics, you know, like a lot of these people who are leaders and activists are not, this isn't their job, this is their life. And so they are, they are speaking their truth and they are speaking their life. And those people deserve to be listened to as well, because a life of the, a life of experience, a lot of times is more influential than just, you know, being able to have studied for 30 years. I think there's two steps to listening. Um, there's like listening and hearing somebody say something. And then the part that, brings on the empathy is uh, believing what they're saying to you. If you take what somebody says to you and you take it for a grain of salt, or you kind of like diminish it in your mind based on what your experiences was, were uh, versus what they've shared with you, we, you know, how, how far can we go if you don't want to believe them? You know what I mean? Like in that, that that's the most unfortunate part is that I think we are in a, in not only questioning experts, you know, but we are now more than ever like questioning the experience as Shabu, you mentioned black women, right? Like, well, you know, the average mindset would probably be like, well, how marginalized can you be? Like, look at Michelle Obama, like, well, you know, some basic comparison, you know, like look at Oprah, she's a billionaire. Like, okay, yeah, we got it. But those are like outliers. It's not the not the standard um, experience. And so, you know, when when somebody shares something with you, man, woman, child, um, it's it's one of those same reasons why teenagers get so frustrated with their parents, right? Because it's like parents diminish what the kids' experience is. They don't quite believe that it was that stressful or that it was that hard or that you got picked on that bad. You know what I mean? When you diminish someone's experience when they share it with you, you've already lost 
uh, a large part of your ability to listen and, and understand and empathize. And so believe people when they tell you stuff. I'll just say like one thing I've been trying to do better and, and struggling with too, but just trying to do better is like, so what do I do in my circles with my power of influence, with my privileges to open up spaces and activate listening for myself, for others in my community? Because I got to be honest, y'all, like I'm not the one joining um, the peaceful protests and, and like marching around because I, I'm more worried about like coronavirus and I'll own that. So it's like, what can I do in my own skill set? And I've talked about this with you all and specifically Shapu. It's like, can I create more dialogue and intentionally design spaces that other organizations can carry through and invite other people that they can influence within the community, within their organization, say like, let's have, let's talk about this. Cause to your point, Lamar, like we don't know that person's lived experience. And to what Will and Shabu said is like, they're the expert. Can we bring them in? kind of shut up, hear them out, right? And then like get really curious, which is what we talked about in the first episode. Like just listening is, you know, it's kind of like, wait, why am I talking? And maybe you show up to your point, Lamar, you're one of those three in the room that like don't even say anything just because you need to walk away with like, I don't need to be heard. I need to change my perspective or actually just gain more perspective. And to tie with a bow, I think the, the problem with, the challenge with being a man is I think we talk about this word enough a lot. We've often talked about on the side of I'm not enough. I think we also need to talk about the other side of sometimes I think men think they're more than enough. And my challenge here to the listeners is like, you need to bring more perspectives to make a whole equation here. I think part of what you're describing Drew is that like, you also have to lend that power or actually just give it away. Yes. Um, because, because yes. inherently you're going to still have some of it, you know what I mean? And so, uh, I think one challenge, particularly, you know, a lot of folks that don't understand, you know, privilege and the conversation around privilege, when, when they hear me say like, give somebody something, you know, that, that kind of goes against the anti-American rhetoric, which is like, oh, we work for everything in this country. Like you earn it. Uh, when we know that's actually just not the case, like, yeah, people work, but the people at the top aren't always the people working to get to the top. Like there's some way around some backdoor Avenue, some parent, somebody knew somebody. So if that was always the case, then maybe we could say that, but we know it's not. And so when you are then in position to give power away uh, to a marginalized groups, uh, black people, women, uh, young people, whoever, um, that is your responsibility. Um, as a as a strong leader and listener, um, and somebody who recognizes uh, talent to to bring people up. And Drew, I'd say so. Your question was around like, how do I create space? How do I get in the conversation? You know, I think at least for me, there have been times, even in the last couple of months, where I've just had to check myself because I put up a lot of barriers as to like, oh, it's going to take so much to get into this conversation, right, or to start this conversation. And the reality is, like, I've created all those barriers. Right. And so it's really just about like putting yourself out there to be the one to engage. Right. Not necessarily saying like, here's my opinion. Right. I just want to give you my opinion, but saying like, hey, I'd love to be in conversation about this. I think the other part of that, though, is uh, a willingness to know that there are going to be moments where you either make a misstep or you're at fault of, of being wrong in some context. And then you've got to be able to own that and, and then move in a different way after that. Right. And, and I say that as somebody who, to your point, like continue to struggle with these things. Like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty vocal about, you know, 
using social media as, as a way of identifying social injustice, particularly in this time, racial injustice, environmental injustice, things like that. Uh, and, and a friend of mine a couple weeks ago, she responded, you know, she DM'd like, hey, I think that thing you posted, I'm a little concerned, right? Like, I'm, I'm worried about like the tone of it, right? And our conversation for the next like three minutes over DM, right, was like both of us just arguing and like just proving our own points, even though we agreed on 90% of what we were saying, we were just making our own points. And so it took a day or so and it, it like, you know, it just needled at me a little bit. I was like, man, that, that didn't feel right, even though I knew I was right, quote unquote, right, like it just didn't feel right afterwards. And so I had to come back to that and say, listen, I'm sorry, because I wasn't listening to you, right? Because what, what did she lead with? I am worried, right? And what could I have done there? Said, well, why are you worried, right? Like, let's talk about that, right? And, and so I think that like, I'm not saying that to say like, oh, I'm the best man in the whole wide world. What I'm saying is I think that there's a level of humility that we've got to constantly be in to say like, we're going to misstep and we've got to be willing to own that and adjust accordingly. Yeah, I think that's that's really hard. And I think naming it and trying it is steps one and two. And then I think step three, which is good for listeners, is like get a group that hold hold your shit accountable and that you can you can share those missteps. And then hopefully that group, like this group, is like, what would you do differently next time? Not that groups don't operate like that. It takes a special group to operate like that in terms of like interpersonal, intentional conversation, like it just doesn't happen like that in most groups. I, I want to challenge that though a little bit, Lamar, because I think that that's, I agree with you partially, right? But I think that that in and of itself, right? That like we are somehow a level above, right? Or leveled up in some way. I think that ultimately it is, that's a barrier that we set up, right? Like between like, oh, these people are more enlightened or doing more work because they're just at another level where I think the reality is, is that like, it's a choice, right? And I look at, honestly, like I look at the three of you guys joining in this project, this podcast, and, and I marvel at it a little bit because I'm like, wow, they've made the choice to do this when they have a lot of stuff going on. Like it, it is not lost on me that all of y'all are fathers and that is a massive, consistent day in and day out commitment and I am not. And yet you've made that time to be in this conversation and to do that, right? And so, so I think that sometimes we set up way too many barriers into getting in these conversations. I'll be honest, like, I, there, there's still reluctance, right? In 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 being, I think the only decision that I knew I was making in you know joining up here was that I initially didn't want to do it. Sort of like I didn't want to be vulnerable to put stuff out there because, as we've talked about, ad maybe ad nauseum, maybe maybe in by maybe in episode two, it's not ad, ad nauseum yet, but very overly critical of myself and I, when shibu you were calling you know out the fact that you had missteps like oof checkered past like of stuff that we probably missed and small opportunities that it it wasn't eye-opening to me like i didn't get it yet so i think that my only commitment here was like try something that feels a bit uncomfortable that you know we don't know where to go yet like, do I know I can talk for 45 minutes straight if you ask me to? Hell yeah. Do I know I'm going to talk on topic about vulnerable stuff and like check myself amongst, you know, one one guy who I have a lifetime of experience with and two who I've never met in person before? Like, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, maybe just because I'm narcissistic too, but like, I, I didn't know. I honestly didn't. I just knew that I was going to try something different. 
and, and Shabu, I, I, I only say what I said because like I'm in many groups. <laughs> so it's only coming from experience. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Groups. Like inside of my group. So I won't put that on everybody else. But like yeah. inside of my groups, like the the level of consciousness in the conversations is is, is very different. Part of why we bring this group together is to extend, right? Via podcast. Lamar and I are already hustling on the side and brainstorming, like, how do we involve others in online forums, workshops, coaching sessions, like under the name of Men Up? So FYI, plugging it. And it just comes from, I think it's a scarcity versus abundance mindset. You know, if you are operating out of the scarcity of like, I can't do that, I got too many barriers, or I don't know the right people, like that, I'm sorry, you got to shift that mindset where abundance is like, I cannot have more than enough. Like, let me just bring it all in and invite. And that's what's so cool. I hear you saying, Will, earlier in your story. Cause like, I had that same thing. I was like, I don't know this guy, Lamar. I don't know this guy, Will. Shabu knows them. But what I can offer is I can just be open ears and I can offer who I am and then just see where it goes. And six months later, right, gentlemen? Second podcast series and continuing. And that's a good feeling. And so I would just, I would say invite to the audience, like check your groups, start talking with people that um, can tell you what are your talents and your skills, add on others, add on other perspectives you're not hearing from and just get some deliberateness and intentionality behind it. Before we end the episode, we like to every week uh, make sure that we offer up resources, inspiration, or motivation that is helping us to get in an action and level up uh, while also staying to our roots of a group of people that came together around basketball, around our love for the NBA. So it is time for the outlet pass. And I'm going to kick us off here. Uh, so I mentioned earlier here that for me around social injustice, specifically racial injustice. Uh, it's been really important to listen to black women for me. Uh, and there's none other that is just so powerful in this moment. It has done incredible work than uh, Tamika Mallory. Uh, you can check her out on Instagram and other platforms, but she is one of the founding members of an organization called Until Freedom. Uh, you also might know her from videos that have gone viral uh, after the George Floyd killing, but then also throughout the entire Breonna Taylor experience. She is just such a powerful leader uh, and just finds a really powerful way to utilize the economy of words uh, to make powerful messages that bring in a lot of people. It's really brought me into understanding even more and more around racial injustice and how that manifests in our community. So uh, check out Tamika Mallory and shout out to her. Uh, Lamar, I want to pass it over to you. Throughout our conversation around listening um, and, and race, racism, politics, um, I've got a, a friend of mine who does phenomenal work. Uh, around de diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, he's a trainer and speaker, so you can check him out. His name is Kemi Joseph. Um, his, and his website is fearsadvantage.com, fearsadvantage.com. Uh, but dope, dope dude and does a lot of high-level work about listening um, inside of this diversity, inclusion, and equity conversation. So I uh, want to shout him out and, and put more people onto what he's building. When I kind of reconciled with my knowledge of social justice issues and those sort of things, I realized I had to go back to the beginnings and, and really get a better understanding of the history behind everything. And so I found one of those, uh, one of the books um, 
by uh, Dr. Uh, Ibram Kendi uh, called Stance, but specifically uh, um, the remix version with Jason Reynolds. Um, I spent a lot of time driving in the car and stuff like that and found the audio book uh, really engaging and, and, and was incredibly uh, helpful, I think, in terms of me understanding a lot of the history behind um, just some of the systemic problems within this country. And, and I'll, I'll give credit here too, that there's a really powerful, um, um, mom in, in my school's district that was able to join us for some community conversations that we had over the summer with uh, a lot of school parents and, um, she had made the recommendation. So I, I, I really just getting back to the basics of, of understanding the history behind it. Drew, final outlet pass, bring us home. I'm going to pitch something called intergroup dialogues. So you can check out intergroupresources.com. This is a program that I had the privilege to be a part of, but it comes from the University of Michigan. And the whole idea is to teach people how to engage in dialogue across difference. You can bring this to your organizations. You could probably bring this to your community. And just a quick tidbit of like what it looks like. The themes of the course are four stages. So stage one is creating a shared meaning of dialogue. Stage two is identity, social relations, and conflict. Stage three, issues of social justice slash hot topics. And then stage four, alliances and other next steps. And I think what I like about that is like we talk about inviting people into your space. Well, this program helps build that. You know, a lot of the program is designed of if it's across difference, you got to make sure you have differences at the table. So if it's a dialogue on race, you're, you're making sure it's not just an all white group right? You're, you're, they're going to do all that for you. So I plug that because it's a life-changing experience. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. Episode two in the books. Thank you all for listening and joining us. We are by no means experts. We let you all know that every week, but we are here uh, to take these moments, to create moments with each other, to level up so that we are creating momentum for ourselves and our communities for the future. And we hope that you continue to join us. 